0: The following may contain offensive language, adult humor, and or content that some viewers may find offensive. The views and opinions expressed by any one speaker does not explicitly or necessarily reflect or represent those of Mark Radelidge or W2M Network. Please listen with caution or don't listen at all. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, all of you them, you are listening to a rad religion broadcasting premiere podcast with your ears, tab Dev- Dev- <laughs> Dev- you
1: Hollywood, and here's- there we go. Here's your host, you Visualize mm. the camera. Mark, go to the stage right, stage right.
0: <laughs> mm. You can find him in Saint Louis. Where the Not gunplay really. ring all day. Nah, nah, nah. Some got jobs and some sell yay, but Robert Winfrey just smokes and fuck all day. And now here's your host from St. Louis, oh. Robert Winfrey. Okay, for the record, absolutely none of that is true. <laughs> no, well, you can't say none of those things are true. They do sell yay in St. Louis.
1: Presumably, sure. <laughs> But I'm not there. I've only driven through there once. <laughs> and my daily activities have nothing to do with any of those things that you just insinuated. But let me ask you another question. You can try if you can't do if you can do it without quoting song lyrics. I mean
0: are you from the home of Red Fox or said the entertainer? Do you jet off with Brian Cox? Or are you gonna tell me to see you later? <laughs> I can't do this anymore. Uh, Derpy Entertainment's with us. How you doing, Derpy? He says, what did you expect? It's it's a Ryan Johnson film, and I'm here for the Superman shirt content. Well, aren't we all?
1: Aren't we all, Derpy? Uh, thank you. All right. So, tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to tackle a pr- fairly divisive filmmaker. A man with the highest of highs. And maybe the lowest of lows, depending on one's perspective. Nary a thing in between. Nicholas Wending Refn. Sorry, <laughs> Ryan Johnson. Neon. Sorry, All I right. got it. I got into it with uh, one of my editors pleasantly, mm. but got into it with him uh, related to Refn. Somebody mm. mentioned the use of neon for an. Upcoming- a,
0: didn't you tell the story? Not the onga, or is this a, a, a yeah, new thing that you've one. got? Okay, you've argued that. How many times are you arguing about Refn these days?
1: You know, it's <laughs> odd that it's happened twice.
0: Yeah, I was like, I don't think anyone has mentioned Refin more than we have, and now you're arguing about him on an ongoing basis. Well, I feel like we should reach out to him and like have him like come on, but he has not. to come on, but he has to come on for like a Marvel movie. Like, I would love to have Refin review Guardians of the Galaxy with us. That'd be great.
1: I'd rather not. <laughs> um, right, we, it, hey. Hang on. So no, the way the story goes, just so you mm-hmm. understand. Yes, sir. Uh. There's a professional wrestling match going to take place on Saturday it's at the Royal Rumble. Rumble. Mm-hmm. There will be the Mountain Dew Pitch Black match. Are you shitting me? No. Okay. This, this is a match. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And the only production notes that have been leaked, and because I work for a website that deals predominantly in professional wrestling results and news and gossip... One of the things that got brought up was, the only thing we know is it's not going to literally be a black screen. There's going to be the use of neon. <laughs> mm-hmm. So one of the comments from one of my editors was something about refren positively right. about Refren. Right. I told him, piss off. I suffered through Too Old to Die Young. <laughs> yeah. None of that. And his response was cordial enough. He said, you know, I like the guy's work, but when he misses, boy, does he miss. <laughs> yeah. Which is an, uh, the understatement he, of all understatements when Reffen
0: takes a swing, he loses control of the bat and hits a baby in the audience.
1: If we're lucky, only one <laughs> tonight. But anyway, we're talking Ryan Johnson, another somewhat divisive filmmaker. Yes, the sequel to Knives Out, the long awaited Glass Onion, released on Netflix back in December. Or was it January? Was it early no, January? No, it was
0: all right. So, if you'll allow me. Last one in A Knives Out Mystery is a 2022 American mystery film written and directed by (laughs) The Last Jedi fame, Ryan Johnson, (laughs) and produced by Johnson and Ram Bergman. It is a standalone sequel. So people have been asking me about this. You do not need to have seen Knives Uh, Out to watch this movie. This operates utterly independently. uh, With Daniel Craig reprising his role as Master Detective Benoit Blanc, the Southern fried detective. As he takes on a new case revolving around tech billionaire Miles Braun, played by Ed Norton and his closest friends. The ensemble cast includes Janelle Monet, Katherine Hahn, Leslie Odom Jr., Jessica Henwick, Madeline Klein, Kate Hudson who they found in the 90s, and Dave Batista formerly of the WWE.
1: Look, they found Kate Hudson in the 90s, force-fed her a couple of Carl's Jr. sandwiches, <laughs> and did not allow her to wear makeup. Um
0: this debuted at the Toronto International Film Festival September 10th, and then um it was a, it had a limited theater run uh november 23rd so it would be um it could be uh, nominated for prizes
1: none of which uh, it was
0: <laughs> <laughs> none of which
1: it was but well i don't know about that hang on no no um
0: uh yeah you're right accolades hang on list nothing, of
1: act. hang on nothing major I mean, I'll, I'll rephrase that nothing major
0: um golden okay it got nominated for two golden globes one for best motion picture musical or comedy Gold. and then best actor in a motion picture daniel craig
1: Bull. Um further proof that the Golden Globes are utter trash, by the way.
0: Where is the Oscars? Because that just came out today. Nothing. Okay, the Academy the Academy Awards Best Adapted Screenplay. All right. Oh, <laughs> it was right, all...
1: right. There was that one. I, I looked through that. Yeah, the other, the and I was going to say, because so so there was one. an article
0: about why was it nominated. It's a wholly original thing. Why is it a Best Adapted Screenplay, which I don't remember. Um, Who anyway, knows? so it had a limited theater run November 23rd, and then it aired on Netflix December 23rd. Yeah, Why are we getting right to over. it now? Because there's literally nothing else to talk about. Because and it's January. Yeah, because it's fuck you, it's January. And I wanted to, and I always like to reserve a few January spots for some of the December release. And now, you know, in years past, and I'm going to make the same point again in, in two, three weeks when we talk about the uh, Best Picture no- nominees. We're dedicating an entire show just to Best Picture stuff and i'm going to say the same thing then that i'm going to say now before i was social before i was forced at gunpoint to be social i used to do not just Samuel hollywood but i would do a bunch of triple features and i would sort of you know so like last year we did one that was just dedicated to black and white movies um some of which were up for oscar nominations we did one that was just all leading ladies so that was the diana movie it was uh, the house of gucci boy and that then... sucked <laughs> some... oh and then there was the jessica chastain um movie uh gosh uh tammy fat tammy that the tammy fay the eyes of you know, tammy fay right the eyes of tammy fay that was, was your like favorite that. thing
1: for about three days
0: it really was um i did now one you with can't one, even
1: remember the name
0: i did one with it's been a long year um it's and it's only 2023 um <laughs> <laughs> but the, it's only did, january did, and we <laughs> want this to end you know you no, not know the half of it um i did one with ronnie that was uh, the gay cowboys and pudding movie, and then you know, and then the.
1: You have to be way movie. more specific.
0: <laughs> the one with um, Benedict Cumberbatch.
1: Oh, uh, power of the Dog.
0: Yeah, Power of the Dog. So anyway, we dedicated a lot of time and a lot of shows to the best picture stuff, um, and that when, and then we would also do a lot of the streaming movies. Um, that's how we would get to them, is we wouldn't, you know, or we would do two at the same time because of the you know money section. Yeah, I don't do any of that anymore. <laughs> it's just like, I'm just picking what it is I want to talk about. And if there's time to talk about it, that's what we're going to talk about. So um, having two weeks at the end of January where there was nothing coming out worth, worth reviewing in the theater, I was like, okay, I have room for two Netflix movies. This is one of them. And then next week is The Pale Blue Eye, which came out at the beginning of January. Oh. So with that said, my question to you, Robert.
1: <clears throat> Only one? We,
0: well, we were talking... We had two pieces of conversation before the show started. We were just kind of, you know, in our pre, uh, pre-podcast ramble, preamble, ramble you and preamble.
1: You have no idea how much mm-hmm. profanity Mark spews during that, by the way. Just <laughs> so I'm, much. And I'm
0: naked. At that I have to put my clothes back on. I am always naked during these things. Robert's like, why, do you, why must you put me on the podcast and you're buck naked? And I'm like, because I have things to say and I can only say them in the nude. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> Just, just why they asked me to not run for office
1: anymore. Anyway, my point is yeah, that's the reason. <laughs> so this—that's uh, so... the least of, like, that's the lowest <laughs> on the list of reasons that you and I will never run for public office. <laughs> your occasional private nudity is way down the list. That would be public nudity. Thank you very much. Um, At this, no, no, uh, it was. Now it's in the confines of your house, and it's just broadcast before we're actually recording. So. It is still technically private.
0: That's only what we're talking about, then yes. Wrestlers turned actor. Hulk Hogan, once upon a time, decided to take a break from professional wrestling and try his hand at acting. Went poorly. He tried.
1: (laughs) An effort was made. The undertaker There's a couple of decent hang on, in fairness Mm. to Hulk Hogan, Mm -hmm. be very fair to the man. Very limited. And his charisma in the wrestling ring did not translate to the screen the way that people might have thought. Yeah. There are, however, a few movies in his filmography that use him appropriately.
0: Sure. Um, I think. um and Thunder you know, in
1: Paradise is really not the worst thing in the world as far as actually, Thunder
0: in Paradise concerned. is better than it has any right to be. Um, it really is. Like,
1: his Dude, his, um, his chemistry with Jack Lemmon's kid. Mm-hmm. Is great. Like those two actually have great <laughs> repartee.
0: So The Undertaker's been like thinking one or two things. I know like Rob Van Dam and Tommy Dreamer, and I think the less New said Jack, about
1: the less said about them, the better.
0: They showed up in stuff hither and thither. Um
1: look, Steve Austin. Rod- Roddy had, Piper's the one who probably had like Roddy Piper has the best wrestling filmography if we want <laughs> to look at it.
0: Roddy Piper had a decent filmography. Um what do you call it? Back, and then you get to the Attitude Era. You have Steve Austin, who terrible didn't, actor didn't really find his niche acting. What he found it where he found his niche was in reality television. He was he was a marketable host, so he had like the Broken yeah. Skull Challenge thing that was going on. He was doing Celebrity Deathmatch there for a little while. Um, if he could just be himself and use his power of personality, he did okay. Yeah. The, the, but at the time. Act. At that time, the big standout, probably the best success, and and arguably, and this is the point of this conversation, arguably one of the best successes of uh, success stories of wrestlers turned actor was Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. And you know he starts Still off is. with he starts off with doing the Scorpion King, and then mm-hmm. you know he's doing his filmography up to the point where he got a gig with Disney was really hit and miss, and and this was another one where he either. He would either crack a a triple or a home run, or he'd hit the umpire. It was yeah. like there was no in between. He either did really really well, or it was or the movie itself was hot garbage. Um, and then he got the then he got the game plan from Disney. And then after that, there was the um, the Tooth Fairy, and he did a he couple did, of other things.
1: He did a series of like three movies with Disney that almost mm-hmm. ruined him. They well, came the game real close to ending him.
0: I was going to say the game plan, not so much with the Tooth Fairy. Sure, my point is like he did what the next one did also which was successful which was he got he got a chance to stretch and he got to break out a character a bit for himself instead of being pigeonholed into just action guy he got to do a couple of different things he got to do some he had to learn some acting get some range no one's going to say that that the rock is robert de niro but up to that point he was the best wrestler turned actor there was and he turned in some pretty decent performances as of late, especially since he got the Fast and the Furious movies, he, re- he rests a little too much on his body and his in his charisma and not really much on his acting, which then brings us to John Cena. John Cena... Does it have to? John Cena um, leaves wrestling, gets, d- does sort the same of. thing The Rock did. He gets a couple of shitty action movies,
1: realizes he's terrible. He's no good at... It's, and then, the rock can do action like, right. whatever else we want to say positive and negative about Dwayne Johnson the man can do action right John Cena can't as a general no. rule he's not an action
0: <laughs> star John Cena tried um, and big swing big miss and he realized early on that he has a natural chemistry with kids so he would do things like Nickelodeon award shows, and he was and he was doing a lot of children's pictures, and suddenly this big beefy jarhead, square jawed looking motherfucker is messing around with these kids, and it's great. It's he's hilarious, and then he realized I, that that's his niche is to be the bro guy, so he does I, things like Vacation Friends, which he's hilarious in.
1: I mean, this about John Cena. Mm-hmm. His gift for comedy is so great. He gets genuine laughs out of WWE's crappy writing. If you if you remember his run, mm-hmm. like he's genuinely funny with that terrible material. Yeah, he's he, he's quite witty. He's quite sharp. Um, his and timing he, is great. His yeah. he, he's he's never alone in a scene, right? Like he's mm-hmm. never just doing what he's doing. He's always with whoever he's with.
0: And, you know, having seen him in, I can't remember the Fireman movie that comedy that he was in, but like, he had a good ensemble Ooh, cast was good. there. Uh, he, he, the cast itself, though, was good. Um, anyway, which brings us to Batista. And you look at Batista and he kind of has that like Henry Rollins look to him where Henry Rollins once told the story of, you know, I, I want to say, oh, gosh, I can't remember which movie it was. But they had him, ha- they wanted Henry Rollins to walk naked across the set. And they were like, we don't have time to get a body double from a prison. You have to do this (laughs) because (laughs) because Henry Rollins is covered in tattoos. And you look at Batista and he also looks like, you know, he's also covered in tattoos. He looks like Henry Rollins, that sort of thing. And you're never going to find like another like body double on on short notice like Batista. The man has presence. The man has a look. The man has charisma. But I'm going to go ahead and make the argument that to this day right now, Batista might be the best wrestler-turned-actor the world of professional wrestling has produced. And I say that based on not just this performance, though this performance is good. Batista, I I, I think about him in Dune. I think about him in My Spy. Um, Some other stuff that he's done. He's about to do Knock at the the Cabin um, in three weeks. He's
1: he's briefly in Blade Runner 2024. Right.
0: Right. Batista has whatever quiet, year it was. He, he Batista has like a very quiet charisma to him. Um Batista is Batista isn't really resting on his. When I, I think about his last run with as a heel against John Cena when he was douchebag Dave, mm-hmm. and how like he really had to turn it up a notch and be an extra asshole to um to pull that character off, and it was great. It was like that was probably some of the best work between him and John Cena I'd ever seen. He doesn't, but unlike The Rock, he doesn't really rest on that. He doesn't rest on Douchebag Dave. He actually stretches and tries to act, and then it's then it's a matter of direction and the material he's given. And I think the other side of it is, unlike The Rock and unlike John Cena, I can't look at Batista's filmography and say, "Oof, you picked some dogs here." I I think he's actually been very selective and very successful.
1: There's a few things that go into his success in this respect
0: mm-hmm.
1: But one, like you mentioned his filmography, I don't think he ever got the offers that the Rock and Cena did. Mm-hmm. like nobody came to him and said, we want you to lead our big action movie right So he's been a bit he's been able to be a bit more uh, patient with his development.
0: Yeah, no one's looking at. To your point, and I th- actually think this is a really, um, really brilliant. Well, he was he he is the lead in Army of the Dead, but that's also an ensemble cast.
1: It's an on and look, like that's a, no one as was weird de- as that is.
0: <laughs> no one was dependent on him. Like if yeah. this doesn't, oh god, we're missing the obvious one, Drax. <laughs> people like people listening to this going, were they ever going to get to this? Yeah, oops, yeah. Drax.
1: He's not, um look the the even as Drax like he's the third lead right. behind you might be fourth lead actually like depending on where you rank him relative to the CGI tree right
0: so i'm looking at his probably um probably going to
1: die in the next guardians movie
0: i'm looking at the filmography and he's got my son my son what have you done wrong side of town house of the rising Sun, scorpion king 3 um the man with the iron fist Riddick 2014 guardians of the galaxy um L.A. Slasher, Spectre, again he's a, he's a goon. Heist, the Boss, Kickboxer, Vengeance, Marauders, The Warriors' Gate, Bushwick, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, 2048, Twenty Forty Eight, We're Nowhere to Run, Blade Runner, Avengers, Hotel Artemis, Escape Plan Two. Um,
1: the answer is he's not really the lead in anything that he needs to carry. Right.
0: I, th- I was going to say Army of the Dead's about the closest. The closest. And yeah. by th- and so Army of the Dead was twenty twenty one. It was an ensemble cast directed by Zack Snyder. And that was 15 years after, sorry, um, that is uh, 12 years after his first role, uh, as listed here. So to to that point, because we keep dancing away from it, he's not been entrusted like The Rock and John Cena were to lead our action franchise. And he could develop slowly and nicely without the eyes of the world on him yeah. and the pressure of, if this doesn't work, you're out of Hollywood. It's almost like yeah, an anti-Hulk Hogan in that sense. Yeah,
1: and it's worked quite well for him. He's developed into a fairly solid actor. Right. Here's the other thing so about the point this. where he's
0: he's in. He, this is not a bad cast. This is these are not a cast of nobodies. He's no. up there with Kate Hudson, Kate Hudson, who we found from the '90s, and Allegedly. you know he's in there with Janelle, with Janelle Monet, who's no slouch, and Ed Norton, well, I... who's the best actor of the bunch, and of Which course Daniel be... Craig, the, the obvious one, Daniel Craig. And he's holding his own with yeah. these people. Like he, like this is the last point, and then I'll give you the last word. We can move on. Too often with wrestlers, it's too hard to not see the wrestler. Okay. It's too hard. They it, it 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 looks like actors and a wrestler in a scene. And here I didn't see the wrestler. I just I saw the actor. I saw the actor playing with other actors, which was nice for change.
1: There's a few things that go again. There's a couple other things that need to be mentioned about this. Um, you know, one, again, John Cena and The Rock were both put into positions that they should not have been put into because by virtue of their sort of celebrity status. Yeah. And they both suffered for it. They both found their gifts in the acting world. Uh, again, Cena and The Rock, like, they found them. They know mm-hmm. what they do, They and they can maximize it. The... The problem with, I think, what stunted The Rock, and I don't know if this is a positive or a negative, but at this point, Dwayne Johnson is a brand. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, we can, and we have, for good reason, mind you, mocked him and Vin Diesel Mm -hmm. over Fast Five when they were, like, arguing over... How their fight scene is supposed to go, and who gets to land the most blows, and because this was stuff literally in the contract, (laughs) and we can argue and we can make fun of them for it, and they both and like their egos are just too big, and what Vin Diesel is, and the damage Vin Diesel has done to a bunch of the stuff he's been involved in lately is non-negotiable. It's demonstrable. Mm -hmm. But at this point, The Rock represents more than his acting ability will allow him to show. Well, l- let me rephrase. The Rock's brand limits what he will do.
0: Yeah, nobody wants him actor. to act anymore. They want, you know, yeah. when they hi- when you hire the Rock, they want you to bring that Rock energy. They're not looking for you to, you know, to do Hamlet. They want you to be the Rock in this movie.
1: And he's capable of more. How much more is something of an open question because of what he chooses to do now. But that's kind of the limiting principle: is the strength of his general brand. God,
0: he tried so hard with Ballers.
1: <laughs> he did, and it it's a, it's not a bad show. It
0: it was it was a show that eventually found its footing. But it was that that show was an idea that wasn't a show until after they had until after they had aired it, and they realized, oh wait a minute, we don't actually have a show here; we just have an idea.
1: Yeah, you're not wrong there. Um, Yes,
0: season two, they finally decided they finally figured out
1: what the show was. And with Cena, it took him a while to finally get with the right kind of director and the right team Mm -hmm. to help him act, to help him get where he needs to go. And once he did, you know, he's. We talked. You talked about it when you invited me on the Peacemaker review, and then never actually invited me on the Peacemaker show. For a review,
0: <laughs> whatever you you, you have the same schedule everyone else does.
1: No, what happened was I said I'll be I'm happy to be on this one. And you said sure I'll send you a link, and then you literally never sent me a link.
0: You're bringing this up like a year later. Why, I am. <laughs> you've been holding it this whole time?
1: No, but I'm making a point. Um, the point yeah. is about Cena.
0: Yeah, is it? It is. Seems like the cause... seems like the point is to rub my nose in something I forgot to do. My my one thing. Uh-huh. Do <laughs> I <laughs> we'll have to get naked again? I will. I, I'd i really rather you didn't. Okay, make your point so we can move on, please.
1: Um, But with the assistance of James Gunn, who seems to get Cena, like, he's wonderful in Peacemaker. Mm-hmm. Like, he's... He was great that in whole... Suicide Squad, too. Sure. He wasn't... I mean, I shouldn't say that dismissively. Like, you, you're not wrong. He also isn't, you know, supposed to kind of be the lead
0: no he's acting in many cases opposite idris elba who's no slouch
1: and elba who's able to get a good dude elba can get a good scene partnering out of just about anybody right that's how good he is when he's put on his own to do it cena still is able to do it in the case of big old dave here i don't think he's really let me phrase this carefully He has not yet truly found his niche. He has not yet found what he really excels at. But his range and his willingness to be deeply human and deeply vulnerable on camera Mm -hmm. does exceed any of his uh, potential contemporaries in that respect. Yep. All right. That hot, hot plot synopsis. Hit me one time. So in the midst of the pandemic, this is important. Mark, don't you understand? The pandemic, it's important.
0: Mm-hmm. There were masks in this movie.
1: Lots the of... pandemic! Masks. Mark, the pandemic!
0: The pandemic.
1: The unknown virus of unspecified origin.
0: Yeah, I was out in Baltimore. I got some of that pandemic for you. Got that WMD, too.
1: Yes, yes, we all remember. <laughs> red top, red top! Sorry, I'm back in Baltimore again. And I will leave you there if you try to go back. <laughs> The in the midst of the pandemic, which is important because Ryan Johnson wants to yell about things, and the pandemic is one of them. A group of people, the disruptors, dun dun dun, are given an elaborate puzzle box. The disruptors are uh, Leslie Odom Jr. Dave Batista Kate Hudson
0: from the nineties.
1: Please stop that. <laughs> <laughs> Catherine Hahn. Catherine Hahn, who I always forget exists. And sort of, what's your face? Monet, whatever.
0: Janelle, Janelle Monet. Yes. And uh, Catherine Hahn's, um pet boy, Jessica Henwick.
1: Uh, no, that was Kate yeah. Hudson's.
0: That's what, what I said. I'm sorry. Kate Hudson's pet boy,
1: Jessica Henwick. It was not a boy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they're all given these elaborate puzzle boxes which they solve together yes and it invites them on a trip with uh, to edward norton's private island because edward norton totally not playing elon musk totally distinct character you can't sue me <laughs> legally distinctive okay move this edward on. norton tech billionaire uh yes the plague we all remember <laughs> the plague
0: There's currently a different kind of plague roaming around, but not but um you know if you've heard my podcast over the last three months, you've heard you've heard the plague coming out of my mouth.
1: Yeah, your bronchitis is a bad thing. We all wish you a speedy recovery. Yeah. Um also there is poor Benoit Blanc. How far has James Bond sunk, Mark? How far?
0: Uh, For those of you who did not see knives out, imagine if Foghorn Leghorn We're crossed with Sherlock Holmes. Benoit Blanc, as played by Daniel Craig.
1: He is sitting in a bath, playing Among Us, because we're making timely references in this script. (laughs) Remember Among Us, Mark? From like two years ago when it was (laughs) a thing on Twitch? Yeah. Yeah. Timely references. Timely. I'm surprised there wasn't a reference to James Cameron's Titanic. Oh my god. The Weakest Link reference. Could have been there. Timely. Uh, he's stewing about, and he's going stir-crazy because of the pandemic. It's limiting his life, Mark, don't you understand? Anyway, eventually all these idiots congregate at a yacht. Including Benoit Blanc, who was apparently invited. We meet all of our characters. They're on this yacht. They go to this private island in off the Greek coast. We meet Edward Norton who is doing Edward Norton things. And Edward Norton has devised a fake murder mystery for himself that will be the highlight of their little vacation. Dun, dun, dun. And he asks Benoit Blanc, what are you doing here? You were not invited. And old Benny goes, but I got a box, see? I didn't send you a box. I got a box. Don't know what to tell you. I didn't send you a box. Well, did you make the boxes... Reversible after they're opened. Sure, this <laughs> bit of this particular convenience of logic will work. So somebody sent him a box, and now he's here. And well, maybe someone here wants to kill him because hey, this maybe
0: plot synopsis is going to go longer than the movie. Speed the it sense. might.
1: I will. T- <laughs> it will take as long as it takes. I'm expressing myself artistically, Mark.
0: Oh my God! <laughs> please, please move on, Ryan.
1: And. So we get to explore the location, this fabulous mansion that he has built.
0: With a giant literal glass onion atop.
1: And again, we're further introduced to all the characters, all of whom have potential motive for murder of Edward Norton. Dun, dun, dun. There is the fake murder of Edward Norton, which Benoit Blanc deduces before it even happens.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like McNulty in the fifth season of The Wire. <laughs> gets, it, gets a murder case, solves it immediately. I'm just going to keep making wire references.
1: How would that be any different from any other show we've ever done?
0: I only usually do it once, and it's specifically related to a point that I'm making, as opposed to me just doing it for the shits and giggles. Or I'm going to go back to reading lyrics from St. Louis. You pick.
1: Those both sound awful.
0: You can find me in St. Louis.
1: Anyway, during during Mr. Blanc's deconstruction of this fake murder, the lights go out. And wait, did the lights go out first, or did um Batista uh, die first?
0: Okay, no, Batista dies first. Gone okay, yeah, yeah. then I, the lights I, go out then Gen Gen gets shot,
1: yeah, yeah, so there's uh, there's a big kind of party. people are drinking, and then Dave Batista drops over dead, seeming to have been poisoned, and everyone gets nervous because this is not a joke. Dave Batista is dead.
0: And then a singing telegram shows up. And she goes, I am your singing telegram.
1: And then the lights go out. In the city. We all run around like chickens with our heads cut off going, what's going on? What's going on? And
0: And somebody yells out someone's touching my breasts.
1: I'm about to reference a a very obscure movie from the late 80s that makes good use of that joke.
0: I I was just referencing
1: Married with Children but go on. Uh... There's a bit in The Wizard where a teenage girl trying to help um, the two kids that she's with, like to escape their, like, what is he? I forget exactly. Th- this official who's chasing them, like Child Protective Services or something. She shrieks into a crowded room, points at the officer, and goes, he touched my breast, this teenage girl, <laughs> which gets everyone around a dog pile on the guys. <laughs> Whereas mm-hmm. nowadays it would just get to get, nowadays it would just draw a well love is love reaction from the crowd.
0: Either that, or everyone would start taking pictures on their phone and streaming, and it'd be on Twitter.
1: It would. It All really right. would. Anyway, Anyways, so a, gun, a gunshot rings yeah. out. A gunshot rings out, and Janelle Monet is struck down. And Benoit Blanc reassembles everyone and says, "I will prove, and I will solve the mystery right now." And then we get a flashback, which goes on interminably. We flash back, Mark, don't you understand, to before when we realized that Janelle Monet is not, in fact, the character she is supposed to be. She is her twin sister who has arrived in New York to try and deal with the after effects of her sister's apparent suicide. And she believes that her sister would never commit suicide and uh, hires Benoit Blanc to help suss this out. Mm-hmm. And the very bored... Benoit Blanc goes, yeah, sure. I'm not doing anything else. Why not? <laughs> I believe that's his exact reasoning. Yeah. And we then re- we then reuse all the previous footage showing Janelle Monet skulking around and being just the bestest little detective ever.
0: So imagine Clue, but not funny or witty in any way, shape, or form.
1: Pretty much. And this, this all culminates. This, sor-
0: this sorely needed Tim Curry running from room to room going, that's how it could have happened.
1: And what we wind up with is the realization that the the actual pseudo plot here is that Janelle Monet's character, her older sister, the one she's pretending to be, was the actual genius behind the tech company that Edward Norton has founded. Because don't you understand, Mark, the only way a white man can be successful is to steal from a black woman. The only way.
0: Well, any minority will do, but sure, a black woman in this particular
1: case. In this instance, the black woman. Yes. Yes. And he forced her out of the company. And all of his friends lied about their history in a lawsuit committing perjury. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, because they were getting, they were betting from in, from his largesse. So they, yes. they were compelled to protect the prize pig.
1: Indeed. And then she dies and the sister is convinced that one of them did it to protect Edward Norton because he's worth protecting. And they all, so again, we reflash through all of their overhearing and their, Eavesdropping and their illegal search and seizure as they figure out who might have had the motive, the means, and the opportunity to commit this heinous crime. And so to wrap this up, so at the well, end of the day, it is revealed <laughs> that it was not any of them. It was, in fact, Edward Norton. Because most of the time, the most obvious suspect is, in fact, the one who did it.
0: <laughs> well, and ben well, hang on. There, there's, a, there's a whole thing here where. Benoit Blanc goes into this really great monologue, clue-esque monologue, explaining in great detail why everything was the way that it was and how we got to this very point. But he's do, but it's subterfuge. He's doing this so that he can give Janelle Monet time to run into the glass onion, find the napkin, and so this scribble-scrabble on a napkin is supposed to prove that it was, in fact, her sister that was the key to everything, the most powerful of all Jedi, and that it wasn't, in fact... Because this would have stood up in court, it wasn't. In fact, like an Ed Norton, and then Ed Norton burns it, and she, Benoit, and she then she Benoit it originally
1: was, anyway. Then, then yeah. Benoit Blanc pulls up the crystallized. Then everyone smashes glass sculptures. <laughs> you are not wrong, Miss Stanley. To never want to watch watch this movie. Then everyone smashes a bunch of glass sculptures, and Benoit Blanc takes. Uh, he passes yeah. off crystallized hydrogen to Janelle Monet who throws it at a flame and it explodes and, blows and the whole out. place starts to burn down and then right. she burns the Mona Lisa because this actually me- because destroying the great society of western heritage means something don't you understand it's symbolism you fucking twat
0: <laughs> <laughs> so to our
1: audience then, despite have- the wait, giant no, no, wait, ex- stop 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 the significance of you calling someone
0: a fucking twat needs special <laughs> attention Robert Winfrey who walks with jesus does not curse and has really been spending those,
1: try really hard not to yeah
0: has been going out of his way like i'm the one with the potty mouth this is the one who shames me for said potty mouth so when robert winfrey finally drops an f-bomb it is because his nipples have been tweaked to the point where they're gonna fall off
1: well your, your language mark is in fact a window dressing into your mind every time you open your mouth you're exposing who you are internally so i Make a very concerted effort to try and put my best foot forward on all forms, and then on occasion it just the the, the sometimes you just have to yell at you're a fucking twat. Yeah, but it's just profanity is just a weak mind expressing itself forcefully. So I do enjoy anyway. Expressing itself forcefully. <laughs> anyway, there's a giant explosion, <laughs> a giant explosion that harms no one. Yeah, and everyone congregates after the fact, and Janelle Monet goes, "Can't you all just lie again?" <laughs> <laughs> we can put this guy away, and they all. And, and, then, get...
0: and then they have their Ispoticus moment, where suddenly whatever reasons they were protecting him have evaporated in the flames, and they're going, "I saw, I I, I saw what happened. Me too. I'm Spoticus, and and I'm Malcolm X, and now we're done now,
1: and that's that. And this is the end of the movie. The police arrive,
0: and evil is punished.
1: Presumably, evil is punished. Good triumphs. Benoit Blanc rides off into the sunset to do this all again.
0: Yeah. All right, so let's let's get into this. It's a very well-acted piece. Okay. Um Daniel Daniel Craig's monologue where he's essentially calling Edward Norton in about a 20-minute bit a complete idiot is the highlight of this whole stupid movie. Um him I what was the line before uh um that I thought was hilarious where Edward Norton's so- like
1: he he Edward he calls Edward Norton's plan dumb and Edward Norton's response is so dumb that it's brilliant? No, no, just dumb. dumb. Which might <laughs> that... as well be the tagline for this movie. No, it's just dumb.
0: Yeah, this is this movie is a little too cute by half. Um, so good things about it. Really great performances from everybody involved, not enough to warrant the fucking awards like Janae Monet got, but
1: any of them. Just it, look, the acting is all it's all passable, it's all acceptable. It's None of it's great.
0: I was going to say, it's probably the best thing about this, though, because it is because here's the thing because everything it, else it, sucks. two hours and 20 minutes is way too long. Um, there's a problem with the structure in that oh, you have yeah. this fairly really straightforward story up until the point where you get to. And and, and I we really should talk about this because this is a mistake a lot of films make because the director thinks they can get away with it. Here's what I'm going to tell you. You can't you can't show a movie. Stop the movie, go back, reshow the movie, but from a different angle. Very few can get away with that. There are some examples where that works. It has to be done very daintily, very acutely.
1: If you're or, not, Mel, hang on, here's the, here's the general rule of thumb um, if you are not Mel Brooks <laughs> or Stanley Kubrick, don't do it. Yeah,
0: there is an art to reshowing your movie from a different angle because here's the thing. You as a moviegoer, you see something. Once you've seen it, when you have to see it again, you st- you automatically start to lose interest. And so the only way to capture your interest is to make sure that that second angle is enough to keep you invested. The problem yeah. is, and we 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 have this we we've said this phrase on the show before. It's not that you tilt the it's not that you tilt the camera. It's why do you tilt the, the the camera? Yeah. If you If you're going and showing the the same thing but from a different angle, you can't just do that and go, that in and of itself is interesting enough to keep the audience invested. There has to be more there. There has to be something about that angle that you're using, that piece of information that you're showing that the audience has an aha moment. Here's the other problem with that. How many aha moments are we going to have? How many more times are we going to do this? The whole extended flashback where Janelle Monáe is trying to get Benoit Blanc to investigate her uh, the death of her sister and all the setup, and then reshowing almost the entire movie up to that point, but just from her perspective and the occasional interaction she has with Benoit Blanc isn't that interesting. Uh, A lot of that could have been cut down to 10 minutes. It's an hour of the fucking movie. Here's that, that's my big that's one of my big problems with this is. And I said this about Avatar, where it was like an hour of the movie, and then we restart and start start a whole new movie. Yeah. Here, it was like, we showed you the movie, and then it, at the at the next hour mark, we restarted the movie just from a different angle. And it's like, this angle isn't that interesting. What you're, the- Janelle, Hang on. Janelle Monae's character is fine-ish, but she's not compelling enough, and her story yeah. isn't compelling enough, and her performance isn't compelling enough to watch her go through all the same motions again.
1: Oh, yeah. By the way, when she got shot, a moleskin notebook stopped the bullet.
0: <laughs> so my point is, that is th- th- we're making a big deal of it because the whole movie rests on the linchpin of that having to work. It yeah. doesn't, and that's why the movie doesn't work. My other thing, and then I'm going to let you because I know you're chomping at the bit here. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Um, because it, it's a, it's a pretty-looking movie. The house is great. The house has a character as an aesthetic, i think bit. works i i like the glass onion thing there's some really ryan johnson knows how to swing a camera um yeah. cinematography is really well done in this it's you know like i said the location is pretty
1: it's again who, who doesn't love greece um whether it's impoverished or not a lot of pl- i could <laughs> I, there's actually people i could do you want the long history of conflict between italy albania and greece <laughs> not particularly or turkey dude the, um, the greeks man no the uh-huh. biggest
0: problem the biggest problem with this movie is the story but also the thematic elements. And, you know, we talk about that sort of thing on here, obviously, but there's so many, but usually there's so many other problems with, uh, with the plot and or whatever else that we very rarely tear apart something's theme. Ryan Johnson really hit it out of the park with Knives Out. Knives Out spoke to classism, Knives Out spoke to the haves and the have nots, but he did it in a way that didn't sound like whining. Like he had a very clear perspective and knives out. And you know, Robert and I to one degree or another tend to err on the side of uh, of conservatism and even we were like no 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 we're with you Ryan Johnson. We get the point that you're making. You're not wrong. We like this movie. We like what you're what you're saying here. So it's not that he's attacking my people. These are also not my people. I'm fucking couldn't be more middle class. Um but well my problem with this is that ryan johnson instead of having a deft acute hand where he's uh where he's on point and you know making his point without beating you over the head here with glass onion especially the way that it ends it ends with a giant temper tantrum where basically what he's trying to tell the audience is The people with power have too much power. They'll they have control of the courts. They have the money. They can you know they can always buy their way out of things. The people in power. The only way to disempower them is to literally set them on fire. You have you you, we have we have to go full on French Revolution. We have to you know burn the burn the banks, burn the buildings, you know burn it all down, start again. You can say that. You can believe that. There's a movie to be made that that gets to that point. Um, I watched a movie earlier this year called Triangle Sadness, which is up now (sighs) for that picture, which, look, you may not like it, but it it tackles that a lot more deftly than this does. Here, (sighs) Here, he's saying, okay, the fat cats are too fat and too powerful, so we just have to destroy things. I said this in our group chat. This comes across like someone's stupid punk rock song. Where it's just like, yeah, everyone, the government yeah. sucks, Dan, and you know, oh, the rich people
1: suck, Enron sucks.
0: Boy, that's a dated reference.
1: You know, and then, like, of, the, I'm surprised there wasn't one in the movie. Timely reference. <laughs> and you're
0: saying this to an audience full of like half stupid punk rock kids with more metal in their face than there is in a building, you know, with their hair multicolored, their you know, their leather clothing unwashed. And you expect these people to organize enough to throw a brick through a Starbucks? It's not gonna happen you know like like yeah damn the man and then they're going to go get a hot dog for 20 bucks that's my point that's like the biggest problem i have with glass onion is that it's too, it's way too pitchy he sh- thematically he's shrieking oh, and yeah. he's shrieking to an audience that isn't going to respond they're going to watch the movie be entertained and they're going to turn it off and they're not going to think about this anymore like Ryan Johnson way too excited about his own thoughts for the audience watching this movie, and that ultimately took away from my enjoyment of it. Because I'm like, I when I walk away, when I Mark Rattled, walk away from a movie, going, why, why are you so mad, bro? Like, what's like? You have to, I think, as a filmmaker, have some degree of self control. What hope? And here. This just this again feels like, hey, aren't you the guy that did Knives Out? Knives Out was really popular. You know, No one's going to say no to you, and this becomes overly self-indulgent to the point of taking away from the overall movie watching experience. And maybe some people watching our review tonight were like, Jesus Christ, this movie sounds like it sucks. It doesn't suck. No, it's it doesn't. just it's it's it, in many ways it is well done and it is entertaining. If you don't think about it in any way, shape, or form, the minute. You start to think about what this guy is saying with this movie. The movie itself loses all credibility.
1: Yeah, and I, I do have a gripe with your with your observation that this is a well acted movie. There is one part in this movie that is just so horribly acted it just destroys the entire verisimilitude of the filming of the viewing experience. Okay, and that's Hugh Grant because shoot that man out of a cannon and let's just be done <laughs> with it. That's a really picking... He's in, like, like, 30 seconds. That's all I... That's it, man.
0: It's Hugh Grant. You know what to say? And he's, like, married to, to Daniel Craig or whatever. Yeah. He's in the scene to just say he's not here. What's wrong with you? Why do you have such a problem with this?
1: Well, partially because it annoys you. Because you have a... Like, you are every 36-year-old 30 woman... You who has a Hugh,
0: last week!
1: ...who has a crush on Hugh Grant don't have a crush S- on him. Stemming from his charmingly befuddled routine in the 90s. Okay,
0: I have a crush on Hugh Grant's character from The Gentleman. That's it.
1: I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but more seriously, uh, you mentioned this movie is unbearably self-indulgent. Just unbearably self-indulgent. Mm-hmm. The characters are not interesting. This is a... like. This is a big problem with this movie. It's one of the things that worked so well about *Knives Out* was the individual characters,
0: mm-hmm.
1: the ones that, like the relevant ones, were interesting characters. And you were curious how they interacted with each other. You get none of that here. Yes, yeah, Leslie was... uh,
0: Leslie Odom is like walking like walking wallpaper. Yeah, like he's a good actor. I'm gonna pull while you're talking. I'm gonna pull him up real quick. But like Leslie Odom is like no slouch, and here he's just kind of like. Huh. Huh? Huh. The whole movie.
1: Yeah. Like, are you going to emote in any way? The characters in this movie are not characters, with the exception of Benoit Blanc. This was just Ryan Johnson.
0: He was was Sam Cooke in One Night in Miami, and he's amazing in that. Like, I don't know what happened here. I'll
1: tell you what happened. Ryan Johnson didn't write down characters ryan johnson went i don't here's my list of people i don't like like steve buscemi and that stupid adam sandler movie where like has a list of people the list and he and he has a list and he Mm -hmm. had a list of people he didn't like and then he said okay so and so i don't like andrew tate dave batiste is going to play an andrew tate character and i don't like elon musk here's edward norton and i don't like the fashion industry so here's kate hudson and I don't like politicians. So here's Katherine Hahn. Like that's that's the extent of the thought that was put into this, I guarantee it. <laughs> I don't know why she's telling us that, but <laughs> well, I assume that this is something to do with your crush on Hugh Grant, in which case, well, <laughs> fair enough, I guess.
0: We appreciate all of you watching on YouTube and wherever else you're watching. Thank you, by the way. And for those free- of you for those of you putting comments in the in the in our comment section, uh, we extra appreciate you as well. Please. We do
1: see it. We always appreciate it.
0: We also appreciate Hugh Grant and the gentleman.
1: We do not. <laughs> Utterly come on, replaceable.
0: Come on, my lovely.
1: Dow, please. Well, what was that? That's his voice in the gentleman. <laughs> Uh, here's the real problem with this movie, and it's structural, and let's talk about subversion and why it works and when it doesn't.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: A subversion of one's expectations, and this gets confused way too often with bad structure or just de- or pure deconstructionism, which is not necessarily the case. To subvert one's expectations is to simply take what one expects and give them something different which still functions. Why does Knives Out work? Knives Out works because our expecta- your expectations for that are it's going to be a traditional, you know, Agatha Christie, Sherlock Holmes-style murder mystery. There's a crazy mystery. Here's an eccentric detective, our kooky cast of characters, and we're going to follow the detective as he solves the case. This is the expectation. What you get in Knives Out is about halfway through the movie, a perspective shift you no longer follow the detective trying to solve the case, you start follow the presumed guilty party, and you start wondering, as she tries to cover this up, because she thinks she's guilty, and how might she get away with it?
0: So, it is hey, a- real, real quick, a really good example of how you should do this, as silly as the movie is, is Clue. Because Clue does that, but it's at the end of the movie, and it's the and, it's, and if you don't count the multiple endings, <laughs> it's the last 5-10 to 10 minutes of a 90-minute feature. Clue is perfect in that sense. Like, Clue absolutely kind of hears all the stuff that you... You know, another example of this is The Usual Suspects, which is not a murder mystery in any stretch of the imagination. But for those of you who haven't seen them, I'm about to spoil the fuck out of this movie. But you're you're taken on this wild and crazy adventure with these 'er ne'er-do-well criminal characters and the usual suspects. And then the big reveal is that the story that you've been told is horsepucky, and it was made up by a guy who was looking around the room, making the story up as he goes by looking at different elements of the room.
1: Well, it's not entirely crap, but most of it.
0: Yeah. And the detective questioning uh, Verbal Kent, who was played by Kevin Spacey, doesn't realize this until it's too late as he runs into the street and Verbal Kent stops limping, reveals himself to be Kaiser Sose, and gets into a limo to go off into the into the into the wildly yonder. Again, these are two different examples of <clears throat> if you're going to do a radical perspective change, you have to wait until the end of the movie and you only have a short window to do that in because after a while, your, your audience is like, all right, we get it. Verbal Kent's Kaiser Soze. We get it. You know, everybody involved in Clue killed everybody else. <coughs> after a while with the Janelle, Janelle Monet character, they're just beating this dead horse. <laughs> and they're not really... As funny as it was, and as good as Daniel Craig is to pull off a 20-minute monologue, not enough... The, the, trend, the, the contrast between his monologue and what was supposed to be the tenseness of her searching for the napkin did not work at all. Like, I never got the um the uh surface I'm looking for um I never got the sense of urgency that you're supposed to get while while somebody is like um pining for time to get you know to give somebody else an opportunity to ransack an office to look for clues he he tried that was the whole point of that that whole scene but it doesn't work and it comes too far at the end of the movie after too much of the movie had been doing this perspective change to the point where like there were details you didn't need like there's stuff that happens on the dock as they're all getting in like none of that was necessary
1: yeah here again like, here's the other problem with this and i'll contrast this to knives out because it's appropriate knives out never loses forward momentum we, again, our perspective shifts to following a different character who is in an interesting position relative to what we expect from this kind of story. And then it wraps up neatly with a, you know, no, it was actually Chris Evans because of course it was. (laughs) And that's fine. It works. It works quite well. Here, we don't get a perspective shift. We also, like you said, we just straight up rehash what we just saw. Like, the last 60 minutes just plays again. And perhaps the most damning thing I can say about this as it pertains to this being a murder mystery is there's no point to you paying attention. Yeah. Part of the fun of these movies and these stories is trying to figure out what's going on. All right. Again, if you watch usual suspect, they actually show you the room. Like, you see the stuff
0: in the room that he's, but there, it has no meaning to you yet. But when they go back and they show you every detail of his story and then point and then point the camera at the thing on the wall or the thing on the desk that he's using to tell his story, you're like, oh, my God, I'm now just connecting all the dots. Like that's the, that, that is the joy of watching these things, is to have those aha moments.
1: Yeah, and there's no point to that with this one because all of the reused footage you don't even re you don't even use a reshot that go, and kind of point to something you should have noticed, it's a different shot. And then, well, no, what actually happened was the stuff that you should have been able to see as an omniscient audience member for the scene, and instead, I am now retroactively, as the author, changing it so none of what you saw mattered. And again, it's insulting and it. Is debilitating to the story. It rem- it utterly removes any narrative momentum this thing had, and it's uh, you know, it just doesn't really
0: work. Sometimes you can get away with some of these cheap tricks if your themes are spot on, but when your themes are, are, are when your themes sound whiny, when your the theme, theme
1: is out- some screeching harpy lady,
0: yeah, then all you've got left. <coughs> are the other craft elements and okay see avatar the way of the water it's pretty (laughs) but the story is rock stupid so you kind of get like the half a movie experience and that's really i think the best comparison i can make to glass onion where for two and a half hours if you want to sit on the couch and distract your mind from uh the doldrums of life there are worse movies you could watch than Glass Onion. You won't. Yeah. I don't have a bad viewing experience, but this is the this is the the Ronnie Adams Chris Bailey thing. You know where it's like I enjoyed it, therefore it was good. That's fine. No one's saying it's not enjoyable. There are obviously enjoyable elements to this movie. I enjoy parts of it myself. The problem is once you start to scrutinize it, the whole thing unravels. Like Robert and I each kind of grab a thread, and we pull on it and the whole goddamn sweater unravels. That's a problem. Your your movie should be able to survive being having a thread pulled on it. Because, you know, no movie is perfect. No, even the ones we thought, you know, we said were perfect. The Menu, Violent Night, Top Gun Maverick. Um, the Batman.
1: The Batman is about <laughs> as far from perfect as this is, for the record. <laughs>
0: oh, shut up. Um,
1: Have you tried watching it a second time?
0: I mean, I was distracted with... Uh,
1: conversation uh-huh
0: <laughs> but yes no so the mm-hmm.
1: answer is you tried and stopped because it doesn't actually hold up to a second viewing
0: my point is that um even the movies that we think are perfect and we have very you know very little complain about you know we pull on a string you get a little you get a little unraveling but the movie mostly stays intact this is one of those movies where once we pulled on the strings, it was like, once we get going, like, oh, my God, the whole thing just unravels. Yeah. If you're not going to pull on the strings, if you're just going to kind of watch it passively and go, these are pretty people in a pretty place doing funny things. And Daniel Craig's accent's hilarious. you'll It's fine. But once you start to scrutinize it like we're doing, once you start to do a critical analysis, the whole thing collapses, which is going to be hilarious when we get to the Rotten Tomatoes thing and we see how much praise this thing got critically
1: yeah here's ultimately I think if we're going to try and grade the whole thing on a pass fail this does I think technically get a pass from me
0: mm-hmm.
1: There's some good visual composition there's it's again it's well shot like, like we said you know Ryan Johnson tends to do a few things interesting even in his terrible projects <laughs> like there's there's usually stuff. Right, there's elements that are still. I was gonna say the
0: the big example that everyone points at is the Last Jedi, where if you can, if you're not a hardcore Star Wars fan that wanted you know Luke Skywalker to whip out his lightsaber and piss all over the Empire, and you just watched the Last Jedi for what it was, it's not perfect either. But Ryan Johnson was at least trying to do something interesting with an utterly, with an utterly bereft of anything interesting IP in Star Wars. I give yeah. Ryan I give Ryan Johnson for knives out, Glass Onion, The Last Jedi, credit where credit's due. He's at least trying to do something interesting in a medium that's not tolerant of it these days. Not wrong. Not not on the level that he's doing things. I mean, fucking Refn's doing interesting stuff too, but he's doing it, you know, well. he's doing it behind a closed door in a basement that says beware the leopard. Like Ryan Johnson's actually having to make shit sure people can see on platforms, people have. And you know it's it's a struggle.
1: Yeah, and so again, ultimately, do I give this a pass or a fail? Like, I, if we're limiting it to that dichotomy, it is technically a pass. In general, the acting is strong enough. You know, th- there's enough production elements here for me to overall give it a feel comfortable enough, giving it a pass. There's entertainment value to be had, and that's not nothing. But it is a far 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 cry from knives out which was very well thought out very well crafted and very well executed this is a yeah this is far from that
0: so knives out was one of the big successes of i think
1: 2019 like surprise successes which then immediately is now turned into an ip
0: i just wanted to say that before we moved on I really, if I struggle with anything, look, and and I'm like a hardcore corporatist, you know, like I I want companies to make money. Companies that make money create jobs. Uh, They
1: They create the things that make life, you know, what it is. So Right.
0: So, I'm, you know, I cheer for companies. I do what do I wish they treated people better? Sure. But I also wish I was six foot five and black. I mean, it doesn't, you know, you can wish all you want, but, you know, Mark,
1: Mark, Mark, you can identify as whatever you want to identify. I am. I'm transracial, as I tell people. But um... (laughs) I I wish I was joking when I tell you that's actually a thing people are doing. I'm sure they are.
0: Um, Considering kids are going to school and identifying as animals, moving
1: on. Um, Which is just the. (laughs) Dear parents, stop it. Moving on. Child is a child, not a dog.
0: My point is that I want, you know, the studios to be successful. So I don't bemoan too much the idea of we had something successful here. Let's do more of this because there's so much poop being thrown at the wall right now to try to get anyone's interest. I talked about I talk about I've been talking about this for what feels like a decade now, and it probably is about that long. The yeah, long we've been doing tale. this for a while. <laughs> well, I've been talking about the, the long tail as it relates to entertainment. So you go back to when I was a kid a hundred years ago, and you have there's basic cable, which is a brand new thing in the 80s, but for the most yep. part, you have most people who have the 13 channels and like the three major networks. So most people's viewing experiences were largely communal most people watched NBC CBS and ABC and whatever was on them <coughs> created a more communal more knitted together uh national conversation most people watch the huh. same news most people watch the same entertainment
1: we could we could have convert this is a thing that like what was the last major I'm gonna skip to kind of the end of your story here so I apologize mm-hmm. but what was the last major entertainment? television well, let's go with television for the sake of <laughs> argument what was the last major entertainment property that wide swaths of humanity would get together and could talk about without knowing anything else about each other breaking bad maybe the answer the actual answer is game of thrones okay like that was kind of the last stand of everyone is watching x right. and, and for certain values of everyone of course but as a general rule like your water cooler discussion where people could kind of flow in and out of it and not be great friends. is like, Hey, we're talking game of Thrones.
0: So people watching, um, don't quite understand what I mean by the long tail. So imagine a graph. And at the high point of the graph is very little in the way of entertainment options. And then as the graph comes down and goes out, you have like this part here, this, this long tail of, You have less people watching one thing, but a lot of people, almost an infinite number of people watching anything. So what you have is instead of three major networks and everyone kind of watching the same stuff to now where we are, we've talked about this a bunch, the wide breadth of humanity watching very niche, niche, super niche products. And even that, when your major competition is YouTube videos, it's fucking kids unboxing shit, you know, or hair tips, or you know, stuff that mocks the entertainment industry, like pitch meeting or or um, <laughs> <laughs> honest trailers, and that is where the bulk of humanity is watching their entertainment on fucking YouTube. I understand why a studio would look at Ryan Johnson's Knives Out, see this, see the success that it was, and go, "Here's more money, keep doing that," because that's that's literally the entire argument for it it was oh ryan johnson's doing something interesting it made a lot of money give him more money he'll make us more money money
1: and then the counter, my, my and counter the to that, onion, and then go, glass onion goes straight to netflix <laughs> well
0: which, which just bring me to the, my, my final point about this but let me let me get there so <sighs> My first, my great frustration though is because there's no other thought than like this thing made money to do more of it, is it leaves out a discussion of whether or not something warrants a sequel. And I understand the argument of, yeah, but the but Benoit Blanc is Sherlock Holmes or he's James Bond, you don't have to do sequential linear storytelling, chapter storytelling with these movies, just write another, just write another mystery. And it's like, and who knew that Ryan Johnson was going to swing and miss this badly? So, yeah, like, I, I get it.
1: Well, look, after Knives Out, when there was kind of when the kind of the discussion kind of became like, will there be another one? My thought was, and I, I said this here actually, if you go back and listen to our review of it, I don't need these characters again, right? But I'm down for the further adventures of Benoit Blanc. Like, right there, this is a character that we could revisit. In theory, so it's not that the logic was bad, and it's not even that this movie is, you know, the worst thing in the world. It's not the worst thing I saw last year because I technically watched it last year, like, it, or it's not the worst thing I've seen in the last like four months.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, it, it's got problems, and I'm never going to watch it again. And this has soured me in a general sense on the third movie. Like I am, I'm still going to watch it. Like I'm, I'm cautiously interested, but I don't think Ryan Johnson can do this again. He can't have another screaming fit?
0: Here's what I'm gonna tell you, and I don't know if see, I I think we might be the ones kind of screaming into the ether here, a little bit. But, because again, I looked at I looked at what's the Rotten Tomato score, and
1: oh, everyone's falling over themselves.
0: Right. So here's the thing: Ryan Johnson's in danger of becoming another like George Lucas, where no one wants to say no to him, and he's creating crap. The Emperor wears no clothes. But no one's willing to tell him that because he's already he's successful and his stuff makes money kind of and i say kind of because of the next point that i want to make before we move on to the actual money of this thing actually you know what hang on because there's there's actually no money to be had so On a budget of 40 million dollars, this thing made 15 million at the box office because it was in limited release and then it went to Netflix where, just I, where the bulk okay. of people saw it.
1: Also but, for the record, I'm calling BS on 40 million for this. <laughs> yeah, well,
0: here's what I want to talk about with the money segment. Like we'll, we'll do all the weekend stuff in just a minute, but I think yeah. there's a, there's a better discussion to be had about and not so much with Netflix because I think Netflix has enough money where maybe not now after the amount of crap they produced last year that didn't do well. <laughs> but so I, with the advent of streaming and we've talked about this a bunch and then the you know the push from the pandemic and the need to create at-home entertainment because no one could leave their house for a while um there was a crush to create content for streamers and the equation and the philosophy went something like if you create exclusive content people will pay the subscription fee and will watch your your streaming app and they disney being probably the best example of this and the second best example would be netflix and behind them warner brothers was here's let us spend metric shit tons of money let us spend the gross national product of brazil on creating exclusive that a, content
1: that is not accurate brazil has a very large economy
0: <laughs> i think they spent a lot of money um create well, look, exclusive did they, content. Did they outsp-
1: look, they probably outspent, like, Panama and Costa Rica and El Salvador combined. Like, that I'll believe.
0: Sure. Um, they spent all of this money to create exclusive content so that you'll pay for these. And then what they found over and over and over again, especially the lesser ones like Peacock, not a real service.
1: Not a real service.
0: Is that they spent X amount of money on exclusive content but only got Y uh, subscriptions. There's not enough money coming in to warrant the amount of spending going out now Netflix was able to absorb it because like their stocks their their stock prices was like some insane amount and they oh, it, had it, like it, zillions it, it, of
1: dollars in capital to spend well and and they took a big hit mm-hmm. you know like you said they could absorb the hit but they took a big hit right
0: but meanwhile Disney and we we did this with our year-end review when we looked at it like didn't put out as many pictures this year. Sent a lot of stuff to Disney Plus, and Disney Plus doesn't have the subscribers to sustain the amount of spending. And then you have and then you, you have, and then you have Warner for- Brothers, which well, cut everything but Velma. For some reason, <laughs> yeah, like literally cut. <coughs> we talked about this last week. They sent House Party to the theaters. They cut Steak. Batgirl. girl. They cut everything. Um, what was the tweet today? Uh, oh, it was it was from it was going back to Netflix where the Netflix CEO said, and this is why I, what what pinged this in my brain and why I wanted to talk about it. The Netflix CEO says, we have not canceled a single successful show. Whether or not you believe that that's pooey it's, or
1: not. Okay, for the record, that is an absolute load of crap. I mm. guarantee you, if you sat that guy down and made him justify certain choices, not everyone, mm. certain choices, you would find his definition of successful varied wildly.
0: My point is, and then this was the example that I used: you spend two hundred million dollars to make fucking Cowboy Bebop, and then no one watches. Yeah, that
1: was a that was a big
0: (laughs) big mess. Here's the thing: they had a lot of those, a lot, and that's my point. Like we have we have reached this like tipping point, and Glass Onion's are like another really great example of this. Fucking forty million dollars. They gave Ryan Johnson like a shit ton of money to do these movies, and I don't know how much. Of it, like, only forty oh, yeah, million. He's budget, he's but.
1: getting paid. Like his salary is mm-hmm. not part of that forty million dollar budget. Like man. no,
0: like he got a good two picture deal out of this. Not not quite Chris Nolan's deal with Universal, but where they gave away the store.
1: So Chris Nolan, what uh, you brought up like my fa- what had to be my favorite interaction ever with like with it. Okay, fine. Here's everything we have. Here's a Brink's truck full of drugs. Here's a Brink's. Tr- Brink's truck full of gold. Please, Christopher Nolan, make movies for us. And Nolan said, yeah, all right. And they went, great. Signed the deal. And they said, okay, what's your first picture? Because you've just done what? What's your, what, what your Dark Knight crowd-pleasing IP? What are you going to do? What, what's your billion-dollar idea? And he goes, Oppenheimer. <laughs> <laughs>
0: like a universal exec's throwing themselves out a window.
1: Just, I regret nothing. Ah, um. But but I, look I when oppenheimer know, does good numbers for them it'll look like a much better move but sorry,
0: sure. right it'll be like look oh, we're geniuses meanwhile they like you know they, they had to sew up their arms or where they cut themselves
1: oh yeah um
0: anyway i, I bring all of this up because like glass i is just the, the latest example like we talked about the gray man we talked about a couple of other ones where the joke that i made in our group chat was essentially did no one look at the books at netflix for the past two three years was Probably like, not. Like there's an accountant that knows they're spending too much money. They're so like deep in the red. It's it's ridiculous. But like, no one's paying any attention. And finally, like somebody finally called the accountant <laughs> into the office. I'm like, show me the books. And it's just bleeding red everywhere because you can't continue to spend. See, I, I don't know if people know this or not, but when studios make movies. They make them to sell to people. To buy you know, a
1: ticket. You know what? You'd think that you'd think that the Hollywood studios would have realized that at some point mm. in the last like, you know, eight years, that boy, we need to make something that people want to see. As ticket returns start declining and the only ones making money are usually Disney movies tied to the MCU or live action remakes of classic cartoons. And nobody realized like, oh no, the box office looks pretty healthy. Look at these big numbers. And nobody right. nobody went through the effort of going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> Who's actually making money? How many movies right. did we release? So what Netflix,
0: it- so again, Netflix is the argument is well, if we throw you know money at Ryan Johnson and we throw money at the Russo Brothers, and we throw money at this one, and we throw money at that one, they're gonna make a movie, and people who aren't subscribed here's the thing they think they're going to get more people to subscribe to Netflix. Yeah. And my thing was in the group chat was who the fuck is left? Have we not hit saturation point with the amount of people with access to technology and the desire to download a streaming app and watch content? They, they can't. Is there a fucking tribe in New Guinea? They haven't gotten to like watch this, you know, watch
1: Netflix yet. There probably isn't. Yeah, like, they're, they're, they're going to have hit their point where it's like, all right, it is what it is. Like, we've reached as many people as we're going to reach. All right. <coughs> and yet,
0: they keep spending money as if there's another layer of people out there that they can find to watch their content. And it's like, no. At this point, now you have to look at how much you're spending versus how much you're bringing in through subscriptions. Yep. Or whatever else you're doing to, uh, to make money. And if you're spending more than you're making, you have to stop spending. I, I'm not an economics major. Just look at my bank account and you'll know that. But even I can figure that out. Meanwhile, the people at Netflix, like, we had we we have accountants, we have books. When did that happen? You know, and then, then, then there's David Zaslov, who like, you know, kicked open the door in the accounting department. It was like, what the fuck is happening in here? And everyone is doing like
1: cocaine and well, like, no, no one's no. paying any attention. He- he goes through the rest of the offices where everyone is coked out of their minds. He finds the accountants who are just huddled locked in a closet and just like please stop hitting me. I've been trying oh so hard to tell you all this is a bad idea and then he's like well alright. Then he goes back out to all the coked up executives and he pulls out his machine gun and he goes okay say hello to my little friend.
0: <laughs> like he just walked in with Ed 209. <laughs> just take care of business Ed. <laughs>
1: and somehow Velma just ducks and covers long enough to
0: (laughs) Velma just gay enough to survive the culling um let's be right on the DVD box Velma gay enough to
1: survive a culling (laughs) you're thinking about it like it's a hell of a marketing I'm I'm thinking about all the people I know who Velma was designed to appeal to who tell me that sucked I know one person who liked it
0: that's all I'm gonna say so and wow. I, I know I know one I know one person personally who liked it. And I know I saw several people on Twitter saying that they liked it. So I don't Okay, is hang on. Is.
1: I don't believe anyone on Twitter who says they liked
0: it. I sent you
1: tweets. I No, no, I didn't say that the tweets don't exist. Mm. I said I don't believe them. That's not the same thing.
0: <laughs> All right. So, yeah, now I, this Glass Onion movie. I'm I'm hoping Netflix hears us.
1: <laughs> and, no one hears us. <laughs>
0: I hope Netflix hears or at least at this point is coming to understand what the people at Disney and what the people at Warner Brothers have already figured out. And that is you cannot be a slave. And there's there's articles being written about this. So I already know that like, there's oh, a dude, have happening. You,
1: have you, have you but, seen the new thing that Disney's doing to, as it, a cost-saving measure?
0: And you can't be a slave to your streamer. Your streamer is not the golden goose you think it is. You, you you have to make movies in theaters that people want to go see. Go
1: ahead. Uh, have you seen the technological thing that a lot of the Disney movies are doing now it was a time saver and a what? They, they they're doing this for the Mandalorian apparently. They're doing it they did it for um uh Quantumania. It's not just green screen. It's like projector screen. So the actors <laughs> can see the background. Mm-hmm. I, I I I saw I looked at that and i just kind of like my brain popped that's kind of what how stupid and lazy can you be in defense of that idea though and
0: i always go back to the same example poor you and mcgregor being told run into the green box run at the green box and yell ya yeah, and poor you and mcgregor going i don't know what i'm doing here this is the phantom menace by the way
1: i look i'm i'm not saying i don't understand i understand mm-hmm. Like if you I can just, at least
0: somewhat interact with your setting, you might actually get a better performance out of some of these people.
1: I, look, man, I miss movies that actually felt real, and mm-hmm. that doesn't. Let's be very clear about something. That doesn't mean realistic movies.
0: No, but they I were mean, on real sets. Sets people had to build
1: and places that you could go. All right. And instead, now now it's just. I'm going to say this I'll again. I'll
0: tell you what. Man. Uh, Lord of the Rings in in New Zealand. To the point where New Zealand made an entire tourism industry out of Lord of the Rings fucking sets. Yep. You know, like, the one of the reasons why Lord of the Rings works as well as it does, like, you might not be a high fantasy person. You might think Lord of the Rings is the most boring shit ever. You don't have any taste, but that's fine. Um, but at the very least, you couldn't argue with Lord of the Rings setting. Lord of the Rings was a very real movie in in the sense that you're talking about. Like, these were real places in New Zealand they shot on location.
1: And contrast that with either Rings of Power or The Hobbit.
0: Right, which was, you know...
1: Which are mostly green screen. Yeah, which is entirely fucking CGI.
0: right, the weekend of January 20th to the 22nd... (coughs) Are you going to share your screen? Maybe. Are you going to share yours?
1: There's nothing to see on mine except us. (laughs)
0: no i just have to be passive aggressive um all right so um six weeks in a row avatar the way of the water breaking all kinds of records um puss in boots which when we did our year in review it hadn't done this well it's actually doing quite well now i believe
1: puss in boots has had a really good hold
0: yeah also nominated for best animated feature and likely to win uh, that there's went up no, from 3 to 2. There's no
1: reason that should win Best Animated Feature.
0: Megan greenlit for a sequel in 2025, I think it is. Sure. Um, Dropped from 2 to 3. Missing debuted at number 4. Hey, Ooh. look, Sony. Oh, still almost a studio. Push the button. <laughs> <laughs> Push. Oh, hang on. I got you. I got you. Sony. Missing. Almost a studio. Almost. uh, Studio. Did it go? Oh, there it is. Can we stop with the fucking my entire movie is a cell phone thing? God, I hope so. Oh my god. No more of these movies. I've seen. Or if you're gonna wh- do them, put them on a streamer.
1: I've seen exactly one of those that I thought kind of worked. Yeah. Exactly one. And I've seen
0: several. A man called Otto is now uh in yeah. wide release that dropped from 4 to 5 plane no poor plane <laughs> yeah despite despite our screaming and yelling about it plane dropped from 5 to 6 house party 6 to 7 <sighs> that time i got reincarnated as a slime the movie scarlet bond debuted at number 8 black panther a very funny enters the record uh, seven to nine, The Whale, eight to ten, Whitney Houston's I Want to Dance with Somebody, nine to eleven. <coughs> the Sun debuted again from Sony at number 16. <laughs> A24, um, with uh, Everyone Loves Everyone Everywhere All at Once, getting all I think leading the pack with uh, Oscar nominations, might be coming in hot at number 18 with When You Finish Saving the World. W- Not familiar
1: with it,
0: I believe, was directed by Jesse Eisenberg. You, <laughs> um, let's see if I'm right about that. <sighs> you have to be, oh my god, they put a paywall up for this stupid thing. God damn you, box office pro. Um, anyway, I believe that that's the case though. All I'll right, you. Brotherhood of the Wolf 2023 re release debuted at number 37, and Heretic debuted at number 43. Um, worldwide, let's look at 2022 because we're still having to deal with that. Hey,
1: plane yeah. <laughs>
0: Avatar currently at 2.02. Uh, 02. Top Gun, uh, Jurassic World, Doctor Strange, Minions, Black Panther, the, the Batman, Thor, Watergate Bridge, and Moon Man. <laughs> I, hey,
1: Minions beating like every Marvel movie except one just warms yeah. my heart in ways that I have difficulty expressing.
0: I, I like it when things make you happy. Um no, you don't. <laughs> He's such an asshole. All right, Plane coming in at number one. Plane! Guy Ritchie's only foreign movie, but not playing anywhere domestically. Operation Fortune, Ruse de Gere, uh, number two. Missing, number three. Oh, that's right. We went through this last week. Megan where technically Megan released. Is,
1: is fucking... it, <laughs> Me- Megan released in France mm-hmm. in 2022, so it is a 2022 release technically. Right, so it's 34. It be- will beat Halloween Ends, which it should, because Halloween it, Ends sucked. It beat everything everywhere all at once, too, which is depressing. Well, you know, there's no The question of, I mean, is, okay. Hey, no, it beat no, the, hey. Whoa whoa, it beat the woman king. That's all I care about. Okay, but hang on. That's a good thing, but here's the real question. <laughs> doing race with the Morbius. Is is Megan going to do better than Morbius? <laughs> <clears throat> if you look at where they are relative to each
0: other It's got an outside shot. It's between thirty-four it needs
1: and It he's another what, forty-ish million?
0: Yeah, roughly. All right, everyone. I mean, it's PVOD though.
1: It's uh, yeah, I, know, I know. See, we should have.
0: They should have asked us. So, like, should we do PVOD? No, not yet. It's got a chance to beat Morbius. How to do better than Morbius? Every chance to kick Morbius, take it. <laughs>
1: take it. The sequel. Uh, I have to share this pun that was shared with me. <laughs> the sequel to Morbius should be called Morbius. Morbius.
0: I just got that. (laughs) (laughs) When I saw it written and I didn't say it out loud, I was like, I don't get why that's a pun. (laughs) Ah, I got it now. I'm a Eh, eh. smosh. Father and Soldier, number five. Detective Conan, number six. Number seven. Switch, (laughs) eight. (laughs) Number nine. Number 10. And Skidamarink at number 14. That's where we are um all right so this weekend uh the 27th i believe we've got in wide release a horror movie called fear um ask what i'm
1: gonna be doing saturday covering the ufc no there's no ufc event what are you be doing saturday covering the royal rumble for the second year in a row (laughs) you can't fucking win man do you Um, remember mark do you remember last year's royal rumble I
0: do because we did a because I it was before I was social and I used to have fun with my life and uh, it was worth living and we did a alternative commentary for the Royal Rumble and that was the one where they brought a lot of the women back and we were wondering why what's her face's forehead was the size of Rogers from fucking uh, American Dad.
1: Yeah. Do, do you remember how bad that pay per view was? Summer Ray. That was her name. Yes, I do remember. That, that whole event peaked with your opening match that was Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins. <laughs>
0: I thought the opening thing was the Royal Rumble, the, the Chick Royal
1: Rumble. No, no, no. Roman Reigns... Roman's deal is he either opens the show or he closes it.
0: Mm-hmm. Is he fighting fucking Kevin Owens again? Didn't they already do this?
1: Two years ago at the Royal Rumble, in fact. Ugh, my God. Yeah, so that's a thing, but... The long and the short of it, like, that event is notorious for being terrible. In fact, the WrestleMania sign caught on fire twice. <laughs> I remember that. Uh, um, when the, is... Hang on. The Rumble itself was a giant letdown. And I covered all of that. There was a Raw match on that card. Remember the Miz and Maurice versus Beth Phoenix and Edge that should yep. not have been on pay-per-view was on pay-per-view? Correct. Well... The long and the short of it is, again, I covered that last year on somewhat short notice. I'm covering this one this year. Hey,
0: they pulled distant. Sorry, go ahead.
1: And if I'm the reason the rumble sucks again, like I might become the common denominator for terrible Royal Rumbles.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, hey, uh, some news here, release schedule news, because I was looking at um, the wide releases for the 27th. And I noticed that it said distant, but then I'm like, I don't think that's true anymore distant was scheduled to be released by universal pictures for march 20 march 11 2022 then september 16 2022 and then later january 27th so it was, should have been this friday and up until recently it was and then it got pulled by universal huh i wonder if that's going to peacock now it might <clears throat> anyway january 27th the only movie of note which is why we're not doing it we're doing the pale blue onion nice. um <laughs> the <laughs> we'll be doing uh fear and then uh, February kicks off movies people actually might want to go see. Um, so 80
1: for, 80 for Brady has an audience. We can't pretend. Uh,
0: I'm aware 80 for Brady has an audience. I'm probably taking someone to it. I hope. Can't say that on air. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, those people might be watching. We have, we have that... a wide audience now. That's not why I stopped myself. Okay. Um, so, yes, I might be going to see 80 for Brady, but you, we're going to be reviewing. You have what, my condolences. Uh, the things we do for love. Um, Knock at the Cabin is what we'll be reviewing with uh, good old Dave Batista in a starring role and a bunch of nobodies. Um, and that's an M. Night Shyamalan, ding-dong movie, and that I'm, is an I'm adaptation have- of a novel.
1: I'm gonna have to yell at him for not properly discuss for not properly promoting that that's, an, that's a, that that's an adaptation again.
0: He didn't do that with old either. Where I where know it was based on a comic,
1: bar, a French comic I, book. I'm aware, and it's becoming a real bad habit of his to not give credit, and right. it's starting to annoy me.
0: Um, nothing. The week of the tenth,
1: dude. Um, y- you are going to take your daughter to <laughs> see the to see Titanic.
0: Yeah, we'll see. So the week of the tenth, um. What was available for us to review was Magic Mike's Last Dance in Theaters, which I'm not going to subject you to. You should not Um, subject
1: yourself to that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I haven't seen any Magic Mike movies and I ain't starting now. Then on Apple TV, there's Sharper and then there's Your Place or Mine. And then after that, so we have one week off from nonsense nobody wants to see. And then we actually start doing real movies. We've got Ant Man and the Wasp. And then we've got, and then we've got, Ladies and gentlemen,
1: yes. Of the jury,
0: yes. Look at it. Look at it. Look at it in all its vascular, Nellie-ish. Yay, smoking fuck all day, glory. Ladies Mark, and gentlemen.
1: Mar- okay, Mark. I I need to ask you a serious question.
0: Am I a huge fan of Nellie?
1: Yes. Okay, that's depressing on so many levels, <laughs> but. You remember when he just, like, wore a Band-Aid under one eye for, like, a year for no reason? (laughs) Who, Nelly? Yeah.
0: You know, I'm going to go to St. Louis and find him. I want you to know. No, you're not. Yes, I am. I'm going to St. Louis at the end of this year. I'm going to find Nelly.
1: Are you you actually going to St. Louis?
0: Yes, to see Metallica and uh,
1: Pantera. That'll be a good show.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to find Nelly.
1: So. Mm, Nelly. When Cocaine Bear bombs. <laughs> oh, no! No! Look, look, I don't want it to bomb. Okay? I want it to succeed. I want it to be the number one movie of the year. I want it to piss all over the MCU. These are things I want, okay?
0: Can, can, we, just, can we just take a moment? Can we take a moment and live in the universe where the number one movie of 2023 in the year of our Lord is Cocaine Bear and the people at Disney are going quantum mania guardians of the galaxy The Mar- how did we lose to cocaine bear
1: look i i want cocaine bear to make more money than avatar okay <laughs> I, mean, I genuinely want this <laughs> the first three billion dollar movie yes i'm not That's... kidding no i'm I, not either no, no i know like i would be okay with all of this but in the world we live in what is your coping mechanism going to be for when this for this thing bombing
0: Nothing I can say on air. (laughs) To all the women who love me, when Cocaine Bear does not do nearly what I needed to do, please consult me. Or or I may have to, or my, I may have to walk into the woods to live with the Cocaine Bears.
1: I'm I'm sure at least one person will allow you to disappoint them. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks, buddy.
0: Anyway, Cocaine Bear, (laughs) February 24th.
1: We and and again, like our my joking at Mark's expense aside, I I genuinely want that movie to succeed beyond all reason.
0: Then, March 3rd is Creed, Creed 3. March 10th is Scream 6. Uh, Mark,
1: I mean, this does Creed 3 look like ass or what?
0: Yeah, um, March 17th is Shazam Fury of the Goads. Oh, that Um, looks like crap, too. March 24th is John Wyke, and then finally. Just released a new trailer within the last day or so, March
1: 31st in the year of our Lord 2023, Dungeons and Dragons. Boy, you know what about that movie, man? Wizards picked, Hasbro and Wizards picked the wrong time to piss off every single <laughs> one of their fans.
0: And for more of that, check out Ronnie Adams' special one-shot deal on the future of Dungeons and Dragons, where he used the wrong brand, and I don't think <laughs> either one of them was on camera.
1: Good old no job, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, Your one shot deal reminded me of uh, Rob Van Dam. Oh my God, the joke that never died. Hang on, and which then somewhat naturally transcribed pulled me over to Rob Van Dam's time in TNA, mm-hmm. wherein he lost like three matches during his entire like four years there, however mm-hmm. long he was there. Like he wasn't no job, Rob for nothing, man. Like no, <laughs> seriously never
0: rob van dam we're, we're gonna have you beat john cena we're gonna give you two titles we're gonna give you everything you're gonna be the you're gonna be the main guy okay but what if i get caught smoking pot in a car with Sabu? <laughs> this is why nobody from ecw got a chance at the wwe nobody nelly you could find rob van dam in saint louis
1: well, you can find him smoking the hooey wherever he has it. <laughs> I guarantee
0: you that. And with that said, ladies and gentlemen, speaking of hooey, here it is I, the critical. Oh,
1: yeah, this one.
0: The critical review. Are you ready? No! I said! No, God, please, no, 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 no. Why do you watch Damn You Hollywood? It is because Robert Winfrey, Esquire Aloysius Jr., and Mark X. Rattledge <laughs> speak truth to power.
1: We speak the truth,
0: we stand naked on well, the hilltops marks naked i prefer we, to be armored we we stand naked with our armor on the hilltops screaming into the into the ether into the wilderness into the f- fourth dimension truth the truth that nobody will hear the truth that nobody will speak this is what damn you hollywood is all about and when a guy like ryan johnson Gives the entire film criticism industry a dainty hand job. They will turn around and tell him that he's a good boy. They will pat him on the head. They will thank him for the dainty hand job, and they will say, "Ryan Johnson, you genius, you good boy," and not Robert Winfrey and I. No, sir. We, we don't even take the hand job. We. <laughs> We tell these people, the emperor wears no clothes. We will not be paid off with a hand job. We will tell you what is wrong with this nonsense. And I bring that up to say, this is why we can't have nice things. The tomato meter, 92%. The audience score, 93%. Ladies and gentlemen, when I'm asked, why don't they make anything new in this world? Why do they keep remaking the same old shit? We're the problem. We. <laughs> okay. Us right here. All of us, all of you, the all of all of these fucking uh, 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 fucking this and that uh, what the different all you fucking people. You're all the problem. Be nice to our viewers. <laughs> <clears throat> we watch the same shit over and over and over again. And so the studios make the same shit over and over and over again.
1: And they're not going to do different things. We don't want different I'm, stuff. I'm going to go out on a limb here. Bear in mind, if you'll recall, Mark, we said last week when we reviewed Plane mm-hmm. that there were going to be a bunch of people who gave that a negative review because, oh no, it all. who was the one we found? All it does is reinforce negative stereotypes. Yeah. Like there aren't actually places in the Philippines that are genuinely dangerous. <laughs> there right. are. I mean, they didn't crash land
0: in Manila. That was my favorite part of the last Rambo movie. This is racist. There's clearly no, like, gangs in Mexico. What?
1: Yeah, look, had had Rambo 4 been released in the last little bit, like, the number of people screaming about, they would have been conflicted. Like, on the one hand, it's bringing up the horrible, like, tribal warfare and borderline genocide going on in Burma. And on the other, the negative stereotypes, don't you understand? The negative stereotypes.
0: Uh, So a Knives Out mystery brings back Benoit Blanc for another wildly entertaining mystery rounded out by an outstanding ensemble cast. Thank you, Rotten Rotten Tomatoes. And yes, we can see Russia from your house. The audience says, Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery solves the often deadly riddle of how to deliver a satisfying sequel to a movie that was nearly perfect to begin with.
1: Really doesn't.
0: Okay, this is again why we can't have nice things. Um, All right. 389 reviews here.
1: You know what? I'm going to bet a lot of money. There's a lot of people positively reviewing this because they agree with Ryan Johnson screaming hissy fit.
0: Yep. That's pretty much why I started the way that I did. That's what I meant by a dainty hand job, in case anyone didn't understand. Rob Gonzalez of Rob's Movie Vault. This franchise is shaping up to be a perfect delight. They
1: have a perfect score. You're an idiot. This is not a perfect movie by any stretch of the imagination.
0: Uh, Kit Mooney of College Mo- Movie Review. One of the most purely pleasurable movies of the year.
1: Why did he quote himself? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, Susan Gray Why is that
1: in... I mean, this is all sincerity. Like, <coughs> that is the quote that's pulled out in its, in the excerpt, it is literally in quotation marks. Like who is he quoting here?
0: Um, Aaron white, a feeling film podcast. And yet again, <laughs> this is very toil and obscurity, but the yep. feeling film podcast gets to be on rotten tomatoes with this wonderful, uh, delight, a riotous, twisty, good time with high energy, outstanding performances and a brilliantly balanced script it's clever smart and often outright hilarious
1: i'm not saying there's no laughs to be had i'm saying considering this brilliantly balanced is a wild misread of the script
0: dan guyer chicago daily daily herald swinging for the fences here the most fun i had at the movies in 2022 you mean from your house
1: <laughs> you friggin idiot oh. okay hang on hang on i i need to i need to retract just a bit of that if this was, in fact, the most fun you had watching a movie in 2022, I weep for your taste or how many movies you watched.
0: Ed Whitfield of the Utre, The Utre, Robert Winfrey of the Screaming Boy podcast. It's a high-end game, a marble chess set. That doesn't mean anything. That's <laughs> just... Can we take a field trip, me and you, to the like I, their Their offices?
1: If we do, I'm burning it to the ground. <laughs> like... I get. Did you just plug into chat GPT review Glass Onion? Like, that's what that looks like.
0: Adam Ollinger Adam Does Movies YouTube. Glass Onion and Knives Out are so good. I'm ready to forgive Ryan Johnson for The Last Jedi. Chris Bailey, is that you? This is where the healing begins. Oh, God. You know... You are as self-indulgent
1: as this movie.
0: Oh, my Goodness gracious! Uh, um, first of all, if if you are so bothered that you needed healing after the last Jedi, go for a fucking walk.
1: Good God! Ain't kidding.
0: Alejandro Alaman of El Universal. Unlike onions, the movie lacks layers,
1: but it's not lacking in fun. I'm partially pained by that, but on the same at the same time, that's actually kind of clever.
0: Let's see here. Um, David Newser of Real Film Reviews, a briskly paced and perpetually unpredictable endeavor. Yeah, yeah I didn't are... predict the movie would start over again midway through.
1: Okay, this is not briskly paced. This is language. Did you not understand the runtime here, buddy? It ain't, ain't briskly paced.
0: Johnny Gaze Monic of Fanboys of the Universe.
1: Ah, uh, yes.
0: Oh, uh, good old Fanboys of the Universe. Although Johnson's reach slightly exceeds his grasp here, Just it's extremely slightly. easy to recommend something as multifaceted as Glass Onion. It's really it has, not. It has comedy, drama, action, mystery, and almost a dozen fantastic performances, full of charm and charisma.
1: No. Okay, hang on. You have comedy. <laughs> Allegedly, you have charm. You have no action in this thing. Where are your wives? Your ex. You know, your, your I could I wives. Gonna say, man, like. I could become very upset at you for your religious persecution very quickly for that. <laughs> I, it's not persecution. I just want you to be happy. Sure. I Sure. Oh, stop, 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 stop. Yes. I have to agree with the Huffington Post. I want to shoot myself in the head. <laughs> Read Candace, that.
0: <laughs> Candace Frederick of the Huffington Post, top critic. It makes for a profoundly empty viewing experience.
1: I hate agreeing with the Huffington Post. That's a rag.
0: <laughs> All right. Um, my, mar- my arch enemy, Michael Medved, of the Michael Medved
1: show. For some reason, Mark's a holding a grudge. About a lot of things, but in this particular <laughs> case,
0: <laughs> Ryan, Ryan Johnson shows irresistibly irresistible skill with this sprightly, elegant, and occasionally ingenious concoction. You know, credit where credit's due. Michael Medved's a conservative radio host. At least he didn't shit over the movie on
1: principle. I'm not entirely sure he's actually a conservative radio host anymore. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Roger Moore. I agree with Roger Moore. <laughs> this... Oh, where is,
0: where's is black Robert Winfrey? Where's he at?
1: I'm sorry. <laughs> you...
0: <laughs> Armin what's his nuts from the thing. Okay. Didn't I, didn't I start referring to him as black Robert Winfrey? No,
1: that's a yeah. first. No,
0: I, I I called him something. I don't remember what though. I thought it I'm was sure black.
1: you did. I'm not sure you called him the black <laughs> version of me.
0: <laughs> um, Kurt Loder of Creator Syndicate, Jackie Hoffman as Batista's mother gets to utter possibly for the first time ever in semi genteel English style murder mystery the words Fibonacci sequence. That's an Why? odd pull.
1: What? That is a very odd pull.
0: Um, maybe one or two more of these, and then we'll call it a night. Uh, let's see. Oh, there's your first Mrs. ex-wife Robert Winfrey, Tanya Lamb of Lola Lamb Chops. When she went on a date to watch this movie in the theaters with the Robert Winfrey, she said, "I haven't had this much fun with Robert Winfrey at the movies in a long time.
1: And this would be why I cannot tolerate <laughs> your future ex-wife. We wouldn't get past the first date if she came out of this movie saying <laughs> that. I haven't had that much fun in a long time. You haven't been out in a long time, or your taste is crap.
0: I uh, I want to like I want to do like a game like the the dating game show where like they follow the date around with the camera. I want but I want to like I want you and Tanya to be the date, and I'll follow you guys with the camera. And I want to like tight shot on you as you have to constrain against the muscles twitching to shove her into traffic.
1: that is certainly a thing you can wish for i suppose i want to
0: i want to be there i want to have the camera when she's just like you know robert my love i tanya uh, uh, of lola uh, lola lola lamb chops tanya lamb of lola lamb chops i've never had this much fun of the movies before and I just want to, like, pan at you as, like, eggs on the top of your forehead begin to fry. And a slice of bacon appears for a smile.
1: <laughs> I can tell you exactly how that sequence would go. Yeah? I would then look at her and go, well, we're never doing this again. <laughs> but I like the movies. Like, no, no, no. The movies are fine. But you- yeah. Yeah. Uh-uh. <laughs>
0: All right folks that is our review of Glass Onion the Knives Out Mystery.
1: <coughs> next week another example of Mark and I speaking the truth when no one else will. Naked Truth. You're going to get us thrown <laughs> off the of Twitch, please don't do that.
0: Anyway, um next week The Pale Blue Penis from Netflix starring Christopher Nolan. No, none of that's true. Let's try that again. The Pale Blue Eye Starring Christian
1: Bale <laughs> I was close You, you weren't <laughs> that close I, I can see where you
0: got confused But you weren't that close <laughs> So that'll be next week Here on Damn You Hollywood um, Tomorrow Is nothing uh, Thursday however <clears throat> After a week delay That didn't need to be delayed a week we're finally getting to TV party for Generation Kill, the next in the series of David Simon
1: oh, hey. shows that we're reviewing. As a minor scheduling note. Yes. Because you commit to things, Mark. I know this about you. Yes, I, <laughs> am, you, I am committable. Sort of. Like once you, once you engage in a project, you're willing to see it through to the end, yeah. no matter what. Which is a long way going for me to say, so season two of The Legend of Vox Machina started airing on... Amazon Prime this last week. See see my vice president
0: in charge of television, Ronnie Adams.
1: No. Because I I don't think Ronnie wants to come back. I think I scared him <laughs> off this time. <laughs> we we're talking about that one. But and I know you liked the first season, so I simply wanted to make sure it's on your radar. If your if your decision to I, I must go I must go to completion. I must, I must finish what I, I must.
0: You're not wrong. I must finish every time, and I'm gonna keep going until I finish.
1: If that is the case here as well, <laughs> I just wanted to let you know it is now airing, and in timely fashion would be kind of the first couple of weeks of February.
0: We'll uh, we'll talk. And but listen, listen, you're like laying down on the job. You're supposed to have up the next month's worth of Everyone Loves the Bad Guys in February. I ain't seen shit.
1: Yeah, yeah, give me gonna actually wind up being after this week. This week got crazy.
0: Okay. Well, before that, um this week got everyone get, loves the I bad should, guy.
1: I should have some of them up uh next Wednesday. I think okay. uh, next Wednesday I'll have the time. So.
0: Um so this this Saturday it's everyone loves the bad guy Saturdays as we re-air the old shows on Block Talk Radio that we did, didn't go up last year when they were synergizing with something. So this one Everyone loves the bad guy the shield which I think I'm on this one too. I did a lot you of the T V ones I did Oz. I did The Wire. I did The Shield. I didn't do Dexter or The Sopranos, though.
1: No, Sopranos was Pat, I believe. Dexter was Sameer. Yeah. yeah. Was that was that it for for television shows? Um, i I'd have to double check because uh, the Breaking Bad one was actually later. The
0: um... well, I know you, Robert Cooper, and I talked about the finale on a Google Hangout because we're at the point we're at the point where i'm airing stuff where we, we constantly talk about doing that
1: um <coughs> I'm, i can't remember exactly uh i think there was a there might have been because the call-in special was a tv was tv centric
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh that one i don't know that i'm gonna advocate re-airing it's not a very good show <laughs> like that there's, look there's some that like for my personal pride i kind of go like man do i really want to throw this out there it's not very good and i've kind of shut up and, go, and i have to remind myself like learning experience there's nothing wrong with your learning experiences being made public you're not always a finished product to the extent that you even are now it's fun to go back and listen to see how far we've come and how far we've fallen and there's a few of them that i i look back and i go i look at them and i go like I'm not trying to, like, save face and go, look at me. My my record is so good. Like, this is just not a good show. <laughs> All right. So,
0: yes, everyone loves The Bad Guy, The Shield, this Saturday, Sunday, a re-airing of The Metal Hammer of Dude, Doom. The Shield,
1: it needs to be said, man. The Shield saved the cop genre in television.
0: Yes, it did. Uh, philotape, H. Uh, Anselmo, and The Illegals walk through exits only. Uh, next week, <clears throat> I'm not doing a alternative commentary because I'm social. However, we are going to do a review. While everyone else is at work, and I actually have time to myself, we'll be doing a review for the Royal Rumble. We'll have Neil from uh, Movies That Don't Suck and Some That Do, uh, The aforementioned in The Pale Blue Eye, and then Thursday, The Return of the Whiskey Rebellion, we'll have Andrew Graham on. We're going to talk war movies, wargasm, Ooh. wargasm, one, two, three, tie a yellow ribbon around the old oak tree. That's what I'm doing. What are you doing?
1: Well, my usual <clears throat> spate of coverage this week, um, if you're interested in mixed martial arts, I host the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast. This last week is a review of UFC 283, the UFC's first pay-per-view offering of the year. It wasn't the worst, and these days I'll take that. Uh, There's no UFC event this Saturday. And then the one on February 4th, the main card starts at 1 a.m. Eastern time, and I think technically it starts 1 a.m. Eastern Sunday. So that'll be fun. Uh, Be nice having the rest of my Saturday, but that's going to be like eight to two in the morning for me my time like prelims to end so that'll be fun anyway there's a there's a full review of the last one as well as news of the week i get to laugh at dana white the ufc president and wife beater (laughs) (laughs) is that his full name now uh let me i'll do this very briefly oh my god No, no no i mean this i'll be very brief in the aftermath of the incident where he and his wife got into a physical altercation i mean they hit each other There were no repercussions for UFC President Dana White. He was not given a leave of absence from his duties. He was not suspended. He showed up at the next UFC press conference like nothing had happened. Now, he took questions about the incident, but when asked, what's going to happen to you, he said nothing. My punishment, if I am given a leave of absence, it does not hurt me. I could have left this entire job when we sold in 2016, and yet here I am. If I leave, it hurts my employees, it hurts ESPN, it hurts the fighters, it does not hurt me. So no, my punishment is that I must go the rest of my life, however much longer I have in this mortal coil, labeled because of what I did. This is my penance. This is my cross to bear. And my response to this is now, well, if that's going to be your penance is to be labeled, I am going to label you until this gimmick stops amusing me. <laughs> so now, whenever I refer to him, it is UFC president and spousal abuser Dana White. Okay, or some derivation up. thereof. Anyway. We'll
0: wrap up. We're almost at two hours.
1: I know. So my, So I laugh at Power Slap being a terrible failure. <laughs> <laughs> and a few other things. Um, So if you're interested in the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts, give that a listen. Wherever you're listening to podcasts, you can find that. I cover mixed martial arts and professional wrestling for 411mania.com. I covered AW's Dark Elevation on Monday. Short show, at least. I will be covering MLW stuff whenever they release it on Thursday. WWE SmackDown on Friday. And as I mentioned earlier, I got called in to cover the 2023 WWE Royal Rumble. Woo
0: Rumble. Rumble in the Bronx.
1: All right, folks. So if you're in that will be over in the Wrestling Zone of 411 Mania. As I mentioned, I covered the last rumble and it sucked. So let's hope for a better one this year. In theory, the promote the company is in a better place creatively. In theory.
0: Well, folks, thank you for joining us here on DMU Hollywood. He's Robert Winfrey. I'm coughing up a storm. It was doing really well. But then towards the end there, I uh, got a little flummy. haven't taken my pills yet. Took my pills last night. Threw up immediately. Anyway, I'm but sharing that, too much. That, that, that usually
1: <laughs> means you have to take them again because it doesn't actually get yeah, in. That's what the Kelsey them. said. I didn't listen
0: to her either. I'm sharing too much yes. information. Why would, why would
1: you <laughs> listen to people giving you good information about things they know? Eh, I'm not really interested anymore be well be <laughs> safe and Just let be- it t- let the bronchitis take me <laughs>
0: <laughs> pretty much be well be safe and behave